0: I'm Iris McAlpin, and you're listening to Pure Curiosity, an exploration of the human experience and what it takes to be mentally healthy in our modern world.
1: Good morning, Iris.
0: Good morning. Hi, how are you?
1: I am well, and you?
0: Doing good. I'm really excited to be talking to you. This is kind of a, a detour from my normal subject matter, but I think it's so important that I didn't want to pass up an opportunity to have this conversation with you.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's one of those topics that kind of spans, <laughs> spans everything in an, in an overarching way.
0: That is really true.
1: Yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite topics, and so I'm excited to dive in.
0: Yeah, so let's start with just who you are and what you do and what your background is.
1: Sure. Um, well, my name is Daniel Howard, and what's on the resume
0: is
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a a PhD in Energy and Environmental Engineering, and my research was on how countries can minimize the economic, environmental, and health impacts of their national energy systems and after taking a year sabbatical and traveling around the world I'm now launching a startup to work directly with countries to go and do um to go and do that
0: that's so amazing <laughs> thank you for doing the work that you do yeah
1: uh, my pleasure it's fun it comes with its uh challenges and difficult emotions and all sorts of things but there's also a lot of um motivation and a uh, a sense of purpose that, yeah, deliver a lot of creativity and joy and passion?
0: Yeah. Well, the reason, you know, I said it, it was kind of off topic, but it's actually sort of not in the sense that I think we've all seen the news recently. And I think most people are aware that we are experiencing some global climate change. And, There's a lot of anxiety around it and I think a lot of people are feeling scared and hopeless and helpless and depressed about it and you and I had a conversation a few weeks back that really gave me a deeper sense of awareness of what's going on and also shifted my way of thinking about what I was able to actually make a difference in and I think a lot of people just feel like, oh, there's nothing I can do. Like we're on a runaway train and it's, you know, it's up to the governments or it's up to the businesses. And so I just wanted to talk about it and hear your perspective. And I think the place where I'd love to begin is to just get a sense of where you you see that we are as a civilization in terms of the state of our planet.
1: Hmm. Okay. Let's dive into it. <laughs> I don't, just uh, a tiny
0: little question. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, what, what comes, what comes to mind first is that our, our external world is a, a direct, not just a direct reflection, but direct manifestation of our inner worlds combined. And um and in respect to, to climate change, um you know, we have been treating the atmosphere like, like an open sewer and essentially dumping greenhouse gases, um, which are are gases that absorb heat and carbon dioxide, CO two is the most prominent one. And we haven't been considering those effects um in our in our decision making so for example um when we burn gas in our car or uh coal at a power plant or um you know at at an industrial center those those combustion reactions those the burning of those fossil fuels releases gases into the atmosphere and it releases a lot of gases into the atmosphere and the reason why is that these these fossil fuels that we're burning, mainly coal, oil, and natural gas, are, are made up of chains of mainly carbon and hydrogen. And when you combine them with oxygen, the carbon goes to CO2. And so we're putting massive amounts up in the atmosphere. And what is happening is when, when UV light from the sun comes to the Earth, it passes through those gases as a long long ray it's reflected back as a short ray, and as a short ray, it's actually absorbed by these gases. And so these gases absorb heat, which starts to cause a global energy imbalance, mm-hmm. um, which is measured at 0.6 watts per meter squared. So you can think of a watt like, like a light bulb. And so the Earth is absorbing more heat than it's releasing, and just like you, what happens is it's gonna warm until it's releasing as much heat as it's absorbing. And and so this is causing a lot of changes um, with temperature, with precipitation patterns, with extreme weather patterns, ocean acidification, sea level rise, all all sorts of things. And so to to come back to that, that question of where we are now, I think that we're at this point where we're starting to say, wow, there's these really serious impacts that are threatening are threatening our ability to live on Earth long term. And we need to start considering them in our decision making. However, our decision making frameworks aren't set up to, to consider these things. For instance, with, with energy in the energy sector, which releases 66% of these, these greenhouse gases that cause global warming and climate change. Um, they're, they're set up to figure out what energy infrastructure minimizes economic costs. And they, you know, it's like, how do you add in the cost of global warming mm. to that algorithm to then, you know, to, to account for it? And when you don't account for it, you're you're essentially assigning a value of zero dollars for it. Um, so I think where we're at now is we're starting to actually put a value on these impacts and incorporate them into our decision making frameworks, so that we can start to make systemic changes um, and, yeah, and address what's going on.
0: That's the best explanation I've heard of what's going on <laughs> ever. <laughs> so thank you. And the question that comes to mind, you know, I see this in mostly in like social media comments and stuff like that. But there's this misunderstanding that global warming means that the weather everywhere is going to be hotter on the whole. And people say like, oh, you know, it's really hot. Or it was really cold this year in Houston. like the planet's not warming up. What are you talking about? Can you address that misconception?
1: Sure so there's there's a difference between temperature and climate. <laughs> and temperature varies day to day and hour to hour and second to second. and climate um, climate changes over longer periods um, so decades centuries millennia biogeochemical cycles which are cycles over hundreds of thousands of years so over biogeochemical cycles the earth has warmed and cooled it's it's a natural process however the rate at which it's warming now is hundreds of times faster than before so, so, the warming that's happened since the industrial Revolution in the last like one hundred and fifty plus years typically takes hundreds of thousands of years on a natural biochemical site biogeochemical cycle. Hmm. And so to yeah, to go back to your question, um, yes, temperature is fluctuating, but our but our climate means the average mean temperature across the whole, globe over these periods of years and decades is warming alarmingly fast, and, and it's a direct product of the, the anthropogenic or the human-made greenhouse gas emissions that are absorbing the heat that's being reflected off the earth and essentially acting as a blanket that's surrounding the earth. So we keep adding gases which keep adding layers to this blanket that it, that's surrounding the earth and causing an, an energy imbalance that's leading to extreme weather patterns, as well as a temperature imbalance that is leading to you know, higher higher temperatures, higher average, average annual temperatures across the globe.
0: Thank you for explaining that, yes. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask sort of at the beginning, I just kind of want to get some of the the detractor stuff out of the way at the beginning and just have you address some (laughs) of these things that I, I commonly hear. The other one, I mean, I've heard a lot of variations on this, but you know, people say, Oh, it's sunspots or, you know, it's something else besides this is just a natural process that always happens. We've had ice ages, we've had all these other things. It's not our fault. There's nothing we can do. What would you say to those people?
1: Um, i would say that they are are totally correct except that their time scale is is incorrect so yes the earth does change but the types of changes that we've seen over the last couple hundred years historically happen over hundreds of thousands of years and so it's the rate of change that's alarming and it's the rate of change that that is that can actually be measured and attributed directly to the the greenhouse gas emissions um, by, by us.
0: Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's tough to know, you know, I see lots of different comments and conversations happening. And it's nice to be armed with the actual science to be able to say like, hey, totally get where you're coming from. But You know, here's this other information that maybe you haven't considered. And it's tough because there's so much fake news stuff going on right now. And a lot of people think it's a mass liberal conspiracy and all those kinds of things. And I think if people really want to believe that, it's difficult to tell them otherwise. But Mm -hmm. for those that maybe just haven't had the right information, this kind of material is very helpful to have on hand.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, one of, you know, people talk about one of the, it's hard to call it a mistake, but one of the dilemmas in solving climate change was that Al Gore made it the center part of his campaign, hmm. and, and and so it's like, well, if you're not aligned with, you know, all of Al Gore's and the rest of his party's policies, then it's, then it's like you're you're against him, and so then you're kind of against climate change, and it basically… Made climate change this, um, I guess bipartisan is the right word. Mm, this bipartisan yeah. issue, you know, where where it's it's not it's a it's not a political thing. It's a it's a global issue that is going to be affecting everyone and future generations, and you know our oceans, biodiversity, weather, precipitation, ability to grow crops, like like just everything, and. Yeah. And instead of making it a, oh, which party are you a part of? And, and attributing climate change to one party, it should be more of how do we design policy to, to essentially for, for the greater, greater good of, of everyone? And, and how do we use policy as a way to minimize these catastrophic effects that, that ultimately are going to take huge, huge portions of GDP Yes, to to mitigate and and to 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 fix and that's really reducing the amount of money that's available for for all sorts of other things whether they're democratic or republican or whatever types of initiatives are out there
0: do you think we're at a turning point where it's going to have to become non-political and just a function of being a human being that we all need to pay attention to this? Or do you think we're not quite there yet in terms of at least American politics?
1: Hmm. So I think one of the, one of the best advances in terms of understanding and addressing climate change is there's, um, an intergovernmental panel on climate change, and it's comprised of hundreds and hundreds of scientists from, from over a hundred different countries And, and it's completely science-based and, um, currently I think 53% of the scientists are actually from developing countries that are, are going out and, and are studying, um, studying climate change in sort of three main segments. The first is like, what is the physical scientific basis for what's happening? The second is like, what are the impacts? And the third is what are the mitigation and, um, yeah, what are the mitigation strategies that that can be taken? And so this this makes it science based, and and I think the science based argument is, um, yeah, is really important. I also think that there's a a moral component to it, um, or or a human component, and that is, you know, these these changes and effects happen over a long term time horizon and they're unevenly distributed. And largely these effects are caused by, they're caused by greenhouse gases, the majority of which, which are released in developed countries. And then a lot of the effects, the majority of the effects are going to be felt in developing countries. And so as resources become scarce and food and water prices increase, temperatures increase, precipitation patterns change, things like that. It's, it's the poor that are going to suffer first. And so it, it really is this, yeah, this, this issue, this huge problem that's caused by the rich and will be largely suffered by the poor. Um, I'm very confident we are going to figure out ways to address it. I just think there's going to be probably a tremendous amount of pain and suffering until, you know, over decades until we, we get to a point where things stabilize and that, that the people, the less resources people have to adapt, um, the more they're going to suffer, and and in a lot of cases, probably you know, a lot of children will die.
0: Well, it's tough to hear that, and I think it's also important that we know what's at stake here. And what immediately comes to my mind is just this wanting to understand what can be done Uh, in terms of, you know, for those of us that are not in politics, for those of us that are not running major corporations, you know, I think a lot of people that listen to this podcast are, are people like me who want to be helpers in the world, want to make the world a better place, want to support their fellow humans, and want to understand what their personal impact is and also what we can be doing. And I think one thing that we discussed that I thought was very interesting when you were staying with us a few weeks ago was mm-hmm. this idea, there's a lot of fixation right now on plastic and and trash. And you were telling us about that being something that is important but also reversible and there are certain other things that aren't reversible. So would you mind kind of talking about that again?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'd I'd be happy to. So let me, let me take a step back and let me describe like this, this key impact and then I'll, I'll jump into, you know, ways we can, you know, we can, we can work with it and, and make adjustments. So On average, um, we've had about one degree of Celsius warming across the earth. And based on the greenhouse gases that are in the atmosphere and their half life, which is the amount of time it takes for them to, to decompose, um, and, and our current emissions, which last year were 40% higher than the year 2000. So things are, things are not, not improving on that front. Like they're just starting, they're just starting to level off. Um, but anyways based on that we're expected to have another half a degree of warming so about 1.5 degrees celsius and if you look on average it's been warming about 0.2 degrees per decade Hmm. and and what the what this report from this intergovernmental panel on climate change with the hundreds of you know top climate scientists from around the world says is if we get to a, a three to five degree warming window, that we could expect a 30% biodiversity extinction of all species.
0: I just, every hair on my body just stood on end. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've heard you say that before, but there's no way to make that any less sad to hear. Um, and we're also not there yet, so I have to remind myself of that.
1: Yeah, so we're, we're not there yet. And there's also, like, if we start drastically reducing greenhouse gases, um, which which there are plans to do so, um, such as California um, signed AB100, which says that 100% of California's electricity needs to come from renewable sources by 2045. Yeah. Um, so, the, and there's, I, I think, over a hundred cities that have made commitments to moving towards 100% renewable energy in the US. So there, there are things happening, and there's a lot of other countries, um, especially in Europe that are, that are leading the way and showing that it's possible and that there's actually a lot of economic upsides to doing so. Um, where, where I was going with this is, um, if we start drastically reducing greenhouse gas emissions then like the, the studies are showing that we should be able to stabilize at a 1.5 degree celsius warming we'll probably go above that and then it'll be able to dip back down below and hopefully we don't go too far above so what a lot of the reports are are seeing now which is actually better than i think 5 years ago is is that we we have the ability to stabilize like we have the chance to stabilize if we reduce greenhouse gas emissions enough and we have the technology to do so it's just a matter of putting policy in place and then aligning industry and you know essentially everything behind that to to make it happen so the latest report which came out um like six or seven months ago by this you know huge panel on climate change is is actually promising if if we take like big action very soon, so yeah, there's um, and that kind of leads into your your question on on what can we do. So um, do you wanna do you wanna jump in with anything, or should I, well, <laughs> should I keep running with? I this? I mean,
0: what everything you're saying is great. So I don't want to interrupt you too much, but I mean, one thing that you mentioned. Well, you mentioned that you know certain things are reversible, certain things aren't. And then also that a lot of these products, these sort of quote-unquote green products that are reusable, they're only better for the environment if you're actually using them significantly more. So you know if if you're using a reusable water bottle, that is great if you use it a thousand times but if you only use it a hundred times, the impact of making that water bottle is actually greater than the impact of making a, a plastic cup or something like that. You would be able to explain yeah. this better than me, but that was sort of what I was left with. Is that accurate?
1: Yes. And um, I'm glad you brought it up because I think this, this is directly tied into an area of, you know, how, how people could help. And so I think like one way is just like, like, try to like go out and get educated on this stuff and and read. And Iris, maybe we could include a couple of links in in the podcast if people want.
0: That would be great.
1: information. Um, but at a high level, right? there's there's all of these impacts in the world, um like environmental impacts such as air pollution, um, plastics in the ocean, landfills, waste, water. but but all of those issues, are are very manageable compared to climate change because of those impacts I was talking about, such as a 30% biodiversity extinction of all species that would lab would lead to the collapse of, of who knows what. Um, so with that said, um there's a lot of you know a lot of social media advertisement around, you know, reusable water bottles and mm-hmm. reusable bags. Um, which is great. Like, like anything that you do that <laughs> promotes awareness and reduces your footprint is, is awesome. And, but there, there's caveats. And one of the caveats is, is that these reusable bags, like grocery bags or these reusable water bottles to make those might release 500 or a thousand times as much greenhouse gases As a disposable one so if you're not using it a lot of times which most of them aren't you could actually be having a greater a you know a greater carbon footprint through through using those now there are arguments well what about you know it's you're not putting as many things in landfills and you're not putting as many things in the ocean um, or this and that which which yes is very true and then that requires looking at its full impact which is called a life cycle impact Hmm. assessment. And even those, even those life cycle impact assessments that look at the emissions of mining the raw materials and processing those and then manufacturing the product and shipping it and then disposing of it, even those life cycle impact assessments say that the reusable products can have environmental footprints a couple hundred times greater than the disposable ones. Hmm. And so the answer is not <laughs> not to use the disposable ones. It's just to get nice reusable ones that you love and use them a lot of times. And the same thing goes for clothes. You know, there's environmental footprints in you know purifying the water and shipping the water to grow the cotton, um, and then to manufacture the clothing and then ship it. And then same with furniture. And it's kind of same with with everything. And so you know, that one way to reduce your impact in that, in that area is to just buy good quality stuff that you love and, and use it a lot of times.
0: Yeah, I think that makes so much sense. And it is interesting how, you know, I think because I've been researching this stuff a lot lately, every time I go on Instagram, there's some ad for some other reusable product. And I think if people kind of go into that consumer mentality with the reusable products of like, oh, there's just always more, I can just buy a new one whenever I want, that can actually make things worse. Um, So I just, I think it's important to be aware of that and
1: yeah, if, it it can. It, oh, oh, excuse me.
0: Well, I was just going to say I didn't realize recently and I can't remember if it was you who told me this or if it was somebody else, but that the whole reduce, reuse, recycle thing is an order that first <laughs> you reduce, then you reuse, then you recycle. But this idea that oh, I can just like recycle it or you know, I can just buy more, like that mentality has been part of what's gotten us in trouble, I think.
1: Yeah, it, it has. And, um, uh, I, and I think just bringing awareness to it is, is what's key. And, you know, there's, there's so much sustainability is like in, in so much marketing these days, but, but how many companies are just using that as a way to sell more? Right. And they might have this new reusable product, but, but how clean is their supply chain? Like what type of electricity was used? to produce that reusable water bottle which takes a huge amount of electricity to produce Um, so and and it's really hard to get these companies who you know like the board of directors job and you know c-level executive jobs a lot of time is to maximize shareholder value if they don't have to pay for these environmental impacts it's hard for them to justify increasing their costs to really clean up their supply chains now it it is happening which is really beautiful and awesome um ikea contacted me recently um asked you know with this project of cleaning hmm. up its supply chains and really taking ownership over the full life cycle of their products that are you know that are produced and looking at ways to really reduce the environmental and health impacts of of what they produce and i think corporate ownership at that level of saying we're not just going to do some things so we can make some advertisements and say we're green and sell more, which actually increases the issue, but really saying how can we produce our products with the lowest possible carbon footprint and environmental impact is, um, yeah, is is valiant. And I think the more information we can get on those companies and, and start supporting them um, yeah, the quicker the greenhouse gas emissions will, will start to decrease.
0: That's so cool to hear that about IKEA. Yeah,
1: yeah, I was so impressed. But I, I think they're based somewhere in, like, Scandinavia. Do you? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I, they're
0: Swedish. So on that level, it makes sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they seem to be ahead of us with a lot of social issues. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, as a consumer, it, it is difficult to make these calculations sometimes. You know, do I fly? Do I drive? Do I... You know, buy the reusable thing? do I use the disposable thing? you know, do I where do I shop? Where do I do all these things? And it, it can feel at least for me sometimes like a lot to to juggle and sort of figure out what the best. Decision is. So I wish somebody would make an app that would just allow you to like plug in the decision and just tell you, like, okay, like here's the life cycle impact of, of this decision and, you know, make it really easy for us to, to do that. But until that day comes, you know, what are some ways that we can educate ourselves to make those decisions? You mentioned some links, but do you have any sort of like shorthand things that are easy for people to remember?
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, and I, I love the idea of that. <laughs> I, I've been I wanting that a, for a long time. <laughs> to, to attempted to be made, but without um widespread success. And um, yeah. So, so I've got a way to totally simplify it for you and Great. make it easier. And and that is, focus on the things that have a big impact, but. Take a really small amount of energy or effort to, to change, and so in the case of consumers, about thirty percent of our impact comes from our electricity consumption, or I should say, like you know, just you know, normal people, thirty percent from electricity consumption, and closer to forty percent from transportation, and then um, you know, there's the things that we buy, consumption, agriculture stuff like that. But the the, the main ones, like the two-thirds, comes from electricity and transportation. And so one thing that people can do is say, how can I get my electricity from a clean source? Well, one way to do it would be to call what's called a community choice aggregator, which is an alternative to a utility, and switch over to having your electricity come from clean energy. It'll be at the same cost. It might be 5%, 10% Five percent, ten percent higher. It might even be a little bit less, um, but generally, it was it's the change. What's that?
0: It was for us. It was like it is slightly more expensive, but it was less than ten percent more.
1: Yeah, so we're talking about maybe ten dollars a month more, and you're reducing thirty percent of your impact, and that's one making one call. Yeah. Versus you know the plastics, the reusables, all these other things. Like they're just a couple percent of your impact and so trying to figure out how do i reduce these things or that or do i get this bag or this bag or this bottle or that like it's so much you know or like do i live a plastic free life where i don't buy anything that has plastics it's like that's such a huge amount of effort and energy and inconvenience required and if that makes you feel good great but, if, but even if you do that, if you don't do the other things like the electricity and transportation, then your efforts are going to be in vain
0: Yeah.
1: because we're still going to be, you know, we're still going to be driving towards this really perilous climate state. And so what I first, yeah, what I say is focus on the big impacts. How can you switch your electricity to coming from a clean source? So one way is the Community Choice Aggregator, and we'll, we'll put a link in the podcast and is Another- that outside
0: of California too? Because it was, I mean, thanks to you, we switched ours over and it only took us maybe 15 minutes to actually do that. <laughs> and now we have 100% clean energy that we're using in our home.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. And, and right, it was 15 minutes and there's like 30% of your impact. Like, like that's huge. And, it, and it's $10 a month. Like, you know, what else could you spend $10 a month on that would have that impact?
0: And- in the Bay Area, it's like two cups of coffee. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or
1: one if you're a generous. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So it is starting to extend outside of California. Yes, that's good. And um, and it is starting to extend around around the world too, which is which is beautiful. Um, but another option, which is what what my my dad did recently, is he bought solar panels hmm. and and literally like the the way it was financially set up is is he pays 20% less than his electric utility bill was every month for 7 years and then after that he doesn't pay anything <laughs> he owns the solar panels outright and they have a 25 year warranty on all the parts so he's basically reduced his electricity bill by 20% for for the next 7 years and then guaranteed cl- like, like this free source of electricity for the next 18 years after that. And he did that using this. Yeah. He did that using this new company called Pick My Solar. And what it does is it assesses your needs. You have a, you have a phone call with them and then it sends out your needs to this network of over a hundred different solar companies who then bid to put solar panels on your house and then they pick the top 10 or five bids and then describe the differences to you in terms of price, quality, warranty, reputation, things like that to find you the absolute best deal.
0: Wow, that's incredible. Because something I think about a lot and I think you're probably going to get to this but you know a lot of people drive electric cars but they're not using clean energy to charge them and so I don't know if that's you would be able to tell me if that's still better, but, um, you know, mm-hmm. if you have solar panels on your house or if you're getting a hundred percent clean energy, that impact seems to me like it could be, well, I think you said, is it like 40% or? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So transportation is the other big one and yeah. so glad that you, that you brought it up because, Um, So with electric cars, right, and you'll see like Tesla's, it says zero emissions. Well, those are zero tailpipe emissions. Right. And if you're charging it at your house and your electricity isn't coming from renewable energy sources, it's just coming from the utility, then that electricity is being produced predominantly from natural gas, which is a fossil fuel. And there's tons of emissions. They're just happening out at the power plants, wherever those are located. So... If you're driving an electric car, what you are doing is you are displacing the tailpipe emissions from your car. And since those are in like the populated areas, it's actually really good for human health because you're reducing air pollution around metropolitan areas. However, you're still having the greenhouse gas emissions out at the factories, which are going to be contributing to climate change. And, and air pollution is, is no joke. It's actually one of, um, one of the topics I really focus on. And we're in the process of publishing a paper on this, um, what we're calling the energy-climate-health nexus. And, and in, you know, part of the reason why we focus on health is because air pollution is, is now the fifth largest contributor to global disease. Wow. Um, and it's the largest non-behavioral contributor to global disease because the first four um, are smoking, drinking, diabetes, and and cholesterol. Hmm. So it, it is a really serious thing, but but even in in how serious it is, like the like the fifth largest contributor to global disease, it caused 4.2 million deaths in 2015. If if we needed to solve air pollution like for you know the sake of humanity, we could just turn off all the cars and power plants and you know those emissions would blow away within a Mm -hmm. week right we can't do that with global warming because even if we stop all greenhouse gas emissions if we've already put so much in the atmosphere those emissions are going to stay there for decades causing more and more warming and and they say that the earth the thermal inertia of the earth will reach a certain point where instead of stabilizing, which is what it's been doing up in for the last 10,000 years and allowing, you know, civilization to flourish, it'll switch from stabilizing to warming when, some, when things happen, like all the ice caps melt, the polar ice caps, and then release these huge deposits of methane that go up into the atmosphere and cause more global warming, which then increase, increases, let's say, chemical reactions. Among plants in the earth, and then that starts releasing more CO2 from the ground. And there's all these potential, um, sort of domino effects that, that could happen. And so that's why I say, like, there's, there's all these important issues that are out there. But if we don't address the climate one in tandem, there's, there's just going to be huge problems that will, will force all of our attention and money. And, and energy away, like like into solving this thing, that could potentially get to an unsolvable state. Now, again, like that's far out in the future, and like the new studies are hopeful if we have local, national, and, and global um, alignment in in solving it.
0: Yeah, I really hope that's true, and I my my biggest hope for all of this, I think, is that people really begin to wake up to the idea that we are not separate from our environment. We are deeply connected to every creature and plant that live around us. And we're dependent on each other for survival. I think humans have cultivated this ideology that like, we're these supreme beings and like, we don't need honeybees or we don't need these other things. You know, it's science. We can figure it out. And we are completely bound to each other like every creature on this planet and I don't think that's like a you know kind of woo-woo thing I think that's just the reality of it and I think the more that we begin to internalize that and understand that we are part of the ecosystem we don't exist outside of it the better we'll we'll treat each other and and the other animals that we share this planet with and that would be like the ultimate silver lining, at least for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, well said. And that's one of the reasons why that 30% biodiversity extinction of all species um, scientific prediction is, is so scary. Yes. Because we are all connected. What would that lead to? Yeah,
0: nothing uh, good. I mean, I don't, yeah, nothing good.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it, it's interesting too how that disconnection, um, from our, from our environment, you know, internally, um, which is, you know, we're in a sense, we're kind of repressing that, that connection, acknowledgement and awareness of that connection, which is somewhat of a a shadow state that, you know, in turn, that lack of internal connection and awareness then manifests externally as all of these issues. And like, like many things, whether, (laughs) you know, whether it's, personal growth or this or that like it, it keeps getting worse until you um start to to shine light on that on that darkness and and address it it's like um i'm a, I'm a carl Jung fan and sure. he has this quote that says you you don't become enlightened by imagining figures of light you do it by bringing consciousness to your darkness and and i think it's it's very similar you know in terms of our connection with environment and human health, and yeah, everything.
0: Mm, I love that quote so much. One thing I wanted to not forget to ask you is you know, Ethiopia just planted 350 million trees, which is kind of mind boggling. I don't know how they managed to do that exactly, but um, does that help? Does that make a difference? You know, things a lot of people are talking about planting trees. I would love it if that helps. I just don't know how much it actually does. And I figure you would probably know the answer to that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, So I think, again, anything that, that raises awareness and gets things going in that direction is good with the caveat of, like, does the science behind it say that it's actually making an impact? And so in terms of either planting trees or preventing deforestation, Um, there is a, there is a very big impact with that. And that's because these, the, the Amazon, um, and, you know, just trees in general, plants in general absorb CO2 from the atmosphere. And so, um, protecting what we have as well as planting new stuff does make, does make a big difference. Um, not just in terms of it's beautiful and it helps, helps the ecosystem, but it helps to, Absorb some of the you know, man-made carbon emissions that, instead of you know going and in, out into the atmosphere and staying there, um, they enter this cycle where they're absorbed by plants and trees.
0: Yeah, I heard a statistic somewhere that we would need to plant a, a tree for every single square foot of the entire contiguous United States to offset. <laughs> yeah the carbon emissions (laughs)
1: probably right and so how much easier would it be to just decarbonize right remove the carbon which again is the carbon that mixes with oxygen to form co2 to just switch it to a clean energy economy and yes it'll cost a little bit more money up front but it will also create a lot of jobs and it will save billions of dollars in avoided environmental and and health impacts and so um, to tie this into a question from a few minutes ago, of what can people do? Um, so we talked about reducing your own impact, right? And, and in the big areas like transportation and electricity to your home, you know, becoming more educated and gaining awareness. And I, I understand that that's really difficult to do because, you know, all these things say different things and you don't right. know who's funding the studies. Um, but another thing you can do that, that is also huge impact and really low, um, really low effort is drum roll <laughs> <laughs> vote like vote for people yeah. that have clean energy policies and and em- empower those people to put their policies into practice.
0: That is so important, and I think something that has become a bit of a lost art is political involvement. You know, I think a lot of people don't sign petitions and write to their representatives and they feel like their voice doesn't count or that it doesn't matter and i'm i'm hoping that with this increasing awareness people will realize that their voice does matter and it does make a difference if you reach out to your representatives and i just i think we need to be helping people see that it's actually not as hard as it looks you can do it online half the time and you can sign petitions for you know greenpeace or the sierra club or these other places that are working to make a difference what do you do if anything in terms of political involvement like do you just research the candidates well or like where do you go to even begin that process of understanding
1: I will answer that question, um, on two levels in terms of political. Um, so there is for the United States, a, a green new deal that's been proposed and it's essentially, you know, we need a new deal, but to transition the U S to clean energy economies. And it's been adopted by 2020 presidential candidates to different extents.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And they, some, you know, Hopefully, you know, Objective Third Party did an analysis on 20 different candidates and to what extent they adopted the Green New Deal in these different areas. And they all have their own spins on it, too. Um, So I went and I looked it up and I did some research and I saw the candidates that, you know, had adopted um, similar things, you know, in in a lot of their campaign areas. And, um, yeah, that's that's how I informed myself on it. Is
0: Trump getting on board at all? I, I mean, it doesn't seem like it, but maybe something's changed since I last looked.
1: Yeah, um, the answer is unfortunately, no. Um, and I was I was actually at the US EPA research headquarters uh, piloting a new fellowship program between the National Science Foundation and the US EPA when trump was was running. Hmm. And so I was in these, these huge meetings where they were talking about what the implications would be if Trump was elected and you know transferring um, uh, transferring parties and I forget the exact words that they, they used. And then um, I left the EPA and a month later he was elected. And it, it was um, fairly scary. And essentially what's happening with Trump is all of the progress, not all of the progress, but some of the progress we've made over the last 10 years with things like the clean power plan. Um, he's just, you know, wiping out and redirecting the focus on things that, um you know, are, are more trivial and not as not as important. And so he's sort of reversing all this progress. And then if someone, you know, is elected in the next election that has a more environmental and, and health sound, um you know, sound policies, then we'll probably have to then go and unravel the stuff that, that Trump started doing and then go and create new
0: things. Yeah. It's it's hard to watch, I have to say, regardless of any politics. It's just that alone makes it very difficult to watch what's going on. And I guess I'm afraid to ask this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I mean, if if the U.S. continues on this trajectory that he's put us on, what does that look like?
1: It's a good question because, you know, greenhouse gas emissions—it it doesn't matter where they're released. They right. buoyant, they go up into the atmosphere, and they cause these these impacts around the world. And, you know, these these impacts can actually be mapped on a country basis. So there's this idea of a a country level social cost of carbon, which says for each ton of emissions. What is, what's that going to cost that particular country hmm. in terms of environmental and health impacts? And so we did a study on Brazil and, and in Brazil, it's, it's $24 per ton of CO2 is like that social cost of carbon for domestic climate change impacts in Brazil. And we looked at, you know, if you consider those costs in energy planning, does it justify, um, switching to a completely renewable energy infrastructure? And, and the study said yes. And I think it was up to an 80% renewable energy penetration. And then the next, getting that last 20%, things that are hard to electrify, like aviation and this and that, it requires a, a slightly higher price, which is still just a fraction of this, of this global price. Um, so in the U.S., there, there will be impacts for sure. And, and there will also be a lot of global impacts based on each ton of co2 that's released so each ton of co2 that the u.s releases is having that social cost of carbon in every country around the world and the sum of those creates what's called the global uh social cost of carbon so that is what what's the sum of impacts in in every country around the world um so it's yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to say exactly what it will look like if we continue on this spectrum. I think a lot of countries, um, are electing political officials that, um, that are, um, not ignoring the science behind climate change and are developing policies around it. And so I think there, there could be some animosity that develops. And, and I think it will just, exacerbate the effects because the u.s is one of the largest emitters of greenhouse gases it will exaggerate the effects that happen until we you know essentially reach a net neutral net neutral greenhouse gas emissions and and if we don't reach that point then um yeah we we won't (laughs) we won't be able to be here anymore
0: yeah yeah i'm I'm interested to ask you a question as you know, Daniel, my friend, rather than Daniel, the scientist, which is, you know, how do you feel about all of this? Like on a day to day, are you thinking about it all the time? Is it impacting you? Like, what is your experience of being in in the world today, you know, with all of this going on?
1: Mm. Yeah, so for the, yeah, great question. Thanks. Um, For the first, you know, Part of my life, I think, probably started when I was 18, and I moved to Santa Barbara and started going to UCSB, and um, where there was a lot of environmental awareness and a you know a social consciousness around it that was um, was contagious. And so at first I was all about, okay, limiting my impacts, right? Like I would only use tea bags that, um, or I, I should say I would only use tea that was loose leaf tea so I didn't have to throw the tea bag away. And if I went out, I would bring a container in case you know I had to take food to go um, if I went out to a restaurant. Or I rode my bike everywhere, like like everywhere. <laughs> like even when I was living 10 miles away from work, um, you know, there was a nice bike path, and I would, you know, bike to work each day, and um, so it was it was completely focused on how do I minimize my impact. And then um, when I decided to switch careers and switch in- industries and go back to grad school to to study sustainable energy and and climate change, um, I guess I I evolved to this point, realizing like these issues like they're systemic issues they're caused by the system and daniel reducing his impact even if it's to zero or negative um you know maybe that inspires some other people to reduce their impacts this or that it ultimately it's not gonna gonna solve it and and what what is going to solve it well it's you know decarbonizing energy systems it's it's switching electricity industry and transportation over to clean renewable energy. And so then I started to focus on, okay, how do I do that? But I was still biking 10 miles to to the university and to the lab. And I was still, you know, I had these, um, you know, containers in my backpack and all of this stuff. And it was kind of overwhelming me. And then I I just kind of realized, hey, um, the biggest, the far big, by far the biggest impact I can make is to dedicate my life on how we can you know start to fix these issues systemically and in my personal life I'll do the things that have you know low energy low effort and big impact um, but I'm not gonna worry about it so yes I have reusable bags you know a couple of them in my car which I've had for years um, but if I like go to a grocery store and I don't like for some reason I left the bag in the house and I don't have it in my car, like I, I don't stress about it. I just get a paper bag and then I use that for some sort of trash bag or this or that and it's not a big deal. And if I go out and there's extra food and it's, you know, a plastic takeaway box, then it's like, okay, like I I use the box and then I try to reuse it, you know, on like a beach picnic or this or that or or whatever. and um, But I don't worry about it too much Realizing that if I was worrying about all that stuff that's one that's just like the one or two or three percent of my impact But two, that the you know that this contribution that I want to make to the world goes far beyond minimizing my impact and In order for me to go out and make this big impact in the world like that's what I need to focus These brilliant electrons moving around my (laughs) brain and so so I actually I, I don't worry about it too much.
0: That's amazing. (laughs) Given all you know, I mean, I I, sometimes I feel like the more you know, the easier it is to worry. But I also think you're probably closer to what's happening than most people. And a lot of us just go on Facebook and see bad news, whereas you're, you're getting both sides of it. But I'm very glad to hear that you're able to not stress too much about it. I'm yeah, trying, I'm trying to get also, there myself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's also just an evolution of my own personal development. Like I used to you know get frustrated or get angry about things, and that was a great motivator to make change in my life or to make, try to make a change in the world. But I realized that like there's there's healthier forms of motivation than fear or anger. And I can still get that same Inspiration and creativity and drive, um, from you know emotions you know other than than anger than fear and you know essentially approaching it with this higher level of consciousness and um, yeah it's it's been nice I mean sure you know when Trump got elected I was like oh <laughs> you know all, all the feelings yeah. come up and and I think that that's it's a beautiful part of being human um, but instead of then you know keeping them there and continuing to react to them and getting pissed off with everything that he did. It was just like, this is the situation. Here's what he's doing. And I'm going to focus on what's the best thing I can do.
0: Hmm. Thank you for that. Very healthy perspective. (laughs) And I, yeah, that's kind of where I'm, I'm working toward myself because, you know, I was just, I was getting pretty triggered for a while. I'm not going (laughs) to sugarcoat that like going Hmm. online and, seeing all the worst case scenario type of articles and still seeing people denying that it was even happening. And I got into a place where I was feeling pretty alarmed. And where I am now, I, I still have some of that. But I think talking to people like you listening, you know, being part of this conversation helps and continuing to educate myself really helps. And so I'm just so grateful that you were willing to come and, and do this today. It really has been wonderful.
1: Mm, my pleasure.
0: You're the best. Uh, You're so cool. Uh,
1: my pleasure. Yeah. Do you want to hear, before we end, do you want to hear yeah. one thing that, that was triggering me yes, <laughs> recently? Tr- and as certainly. Well, yeah. They're not sugar It was, it was basically, you know, seeing all of this advertising all over around like the, you know, reusable products, the water bottles, the grocery bags, things like that. And then, A lot of people that I would talk to and see, like, that was their full focus was, oh, like, I'm sustainable. I've got a reusable water bottle. I've got my (laughs) reusable bag. Like, I'm doing my part. Like, I don't need to educate myself any further. I I mean, they they weren't saying that, but it was just like, it was like, like, I'm doing, you know, I'm I'm, like, I'm sustainable. And it was just like, not only are you just focusing on like the 1% of your impact or even less, um, but but again, given like the the life cycle, carbon and environmental footprint of those products, if you're not using them hundreds of times, you're actually having a worse impact by using those. Yeah. And so at one point I was just sitting there and I was like, I was like, I wonder if like the oil companies and the natural gas companies like funded all of these like reusable bags and reusable water <laughs> issues to like get all the focus on these on like just the sliver, the sliver of the issue, and like get people's awareness off like the greater transition that needs yeah. to happen. And um yeah, anyways, it was it was kind of funny. But again, those things are awesome, they promote awareness, like it, it's part of the transition. I'm just a big advocate for see the full picture and and address the things that have a big impact. And only require, you know, a small amount of of effort or energy or money.
0: Yes. Speaking my language. Thank you so much. And this has been so wonderful. Thank you again.
1: Yeah. My (laughs) pleasure. Thank you so much for the questions, for coming up with this idea. And um, I look forward to seeing you guys again soon.
0: Yes. Likewise.